1600KIVABQ.FM, RocketTalk.com. I'm Eddie Ergon, The Rocket Talk with me, Jeffrey Candelaria, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria for a Saturday right here in the Kiva. As always, we enjoy Jeffrey's company and he enjoys the company of others and gets some insights and intelligence uh, using his intuition in terms of his investigation about where he wants to go in this informal hour here with the, uh, I don't know, Jeffrey has a large vocabulary, so we always say, with Jeffrey Candelari and let it stay at that. Jeffrey, good afternoon. And once again, for providing this format and for producing the show. I think we've been together almost a year now, Eddie. So uh, thank you very much. We'll be celebrating our one-year anniversary, I think, here sometime in uh, late April. Oh, wow. And we'll have, celebrate. We'll, we'll have to pop open one of those bottles of Chateau Feet. 58. <laughs> you want a Chateau Lafitte? Huh? I don't, Lafitte. I'm not sitting on 12 grand for a bottle of wine. But, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, so How about Don Perignon 69, perhaps? Uh, <laughs> not as expensive. You can probably pick that up. Uh, it's a lot more prevalent than a lot of people know, but uh, there you go. All right. You know what's interesting about Don Perignon what? is a actual Dominican monk. Yes, he was. Invented what we know as champagne mm. because the bottles were breaking and he decided if you tilt the bottle it can you know there it is creates a certain effervescence and you so you must be a listener of our show we uh, covered dom i think back in 2017 and the whole invention of champagne on that it was yeah. really good so you must yeah be- with your with your with a friend of mine jim yeah jim ex ex sailor a uh, wonderful guy uh, welcome again to straight talk with jeffrey candelaria we're with you every saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. and i do everything in my power to try to bring uh, enlightenment and uh, provocative critical thinking with my guests and also call out hypocrisy, including my own. Uh, And uh, that's why I detest almost 98.6% of every politician person I've ever met on both sides of the political aisle, because they don't have the conviction to call out hypocrisy, including their own. I'm really excited to introduce my guest, a friend, a previous guest on other formats I've hosted uh, but before I introduce this amazing person, and it's going to be quite a quite a topic today, we're going to be talking today about the psychology of COVID, the Chinese virus, and what its effects have been on on really the human condition and post Chinese virus behavioral health issues. But before we get into that uh, interesting topic, I'd like to thank my sponsor, S3 Security. If you have any cybersecurity issues, particularly with your office, with your business, given that we're on the precipice of World War III, we're under attack by all kinds of cybersecurity threats, give my friend and sponsor, Ben Mozek, a call. He's right here in Albuquerque, and he can, uh, with all his acumen and expertise, uh, deal with any cybersecurity issue. His number Five zero five two four two fifty six eighty three. That's five zero five two four two fifty six eighty three. Give Ben B E N a call, and uh, he can help uh, deal with any cybersecurity issue. Also, like to inv- uh, invite all of my business guests who listen to the Rock of Talk and Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria every Saturday from one to two p.m. 
1600 AM, we are hosting through uh, Fundaxi, Pizza 9, My Company Connection, a business networking event on Wednesday, March 30th from 8 AM to 9.30 AM at Revel Entertainment Center. We're going to be providing breakfast. We already have almost 100 business guests who are thirsting to get back into a live networking situation. If you'd like to attend as my guest, it's called Fundaxi Business Angels Networking Event on Wednesday, March 30th from 8 to 9.30 a.m. Email me, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y dot candy77 at gmail.com. Jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to recommend a guest or if you have any thoughts about my radio show or if you'd like to be a sponsor, email me, Jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. Gmail also like to recognize some of our fundraising endeavors through Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, The Rock of Talk, and Fundaxi. We will be putting together a Enchantment Awards event on March 27th to support a, a number of nonprofits here in New Mexico. And the Rio Rancho Community Foundation is one of those. In order to support some of these nonprofits, all you have to do is go to a Pizza Nine or Straight Street billiards or cactus brewery on March 24th. You buy anything there and 10% of that, of those proceeds will go to help a number of nonprofits. If you'd like to learn more about that, give me a, an email again at jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. All right. With that, and without any further delay, I'm extremely and vehemently excited to introduce my guest, a friend of mine and someone that we've, uh, we've, We've worked together on previous formats together. Bobby Anderson, uh, she is the owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health. It is a mental health and addictions treatment center. Again, an organic local uh, mental health and addictions treatment center. A clinical therapist with the state of New Mexico specializing in trauma and addiction. She has a master's degree in clinical counseling an undergraduate degree in human services with a concentration in addiction and trauma, an education provider in New Mexico. She trains and educates professionals in this discipline. And I am so excited to have you on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thank you. Bobby Anderson. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's actually my honor to actually be here um, to talk about these pressing issues that we always talk on the side, um, but now bringing it to the forefront to your listeners um, yeah. is so important. So Absolutely. thank you for having me. Well, this is such an important topic because, you know, we dealt with what I call the Chinese virus for two years all over the world, but obviously we're concentrating in, in our country and New Mexico specifically. And the issue that I had was we concentrated so much on, you know, the pandemic itself, the effects on our circulatory system, our lungs, all that. But we didn't really talk about what I call the psychology yes. of the Chinese virus. And yeah. it had, in my view, almost as many pernicious, insidious effects as the disease itself. And you as a behavioral clinician, you probably saw that firsthand. A hundred percent. You know, I think we may have underestimated the effects that this pandemic has taken on all of us. You know, not only the individual, but the family system, the um, work and employment arena, politics, you know, how we do business, um, how we handle crisis in the state, 
you know, what do we do? And so we have really seen a large shift. And now it's so evident that the mental health has had a breakdown and it has had affected that we now need to address it. So it's almost like a crisis within a crisis within a crisis. Yeah. And and I think the the lockdowns and wearing these little oppression masks, what I call the face diaper, and that's my editorialization about what it is, uh, also invoked fear into all people, little kids, uh, you know, older folks, especially the isolation effects. And I really want to talk about being isolated. We were insular, isolated. You could, you know, what was it? Seventy percent of businesses were shut down, depending on what industry those were. Right. It, it affected our work ethic. People decided uh, to work from home. Coming back to work now, there's been issues with resupplying, you know, staff and the, the, the employment population. But let's talk about the effects from a psychological behavioral perspective on when people are isolated, their view of the world and themselves changes. And you probably saw as a clinician the effects of isolation, right? Yes, 100%. You know, we do have a small percentage of the population that really um, is loners, so to speak. They love to be isolated, um, but it's a very small population. You know, remember, you know, we're social beings and we need to have that connectedness, um, specifically in the family systems, right? And uh, we may not like our family, but we like being around our family, um, that connectedness. And so here, you know, think about what the pandemic, what the state of emergency did for us. It literally said, you should be scared and we're not going to really tell you what exactly you should be afraid of, but this is what we know. And what it did is it made everybody be very overprotective within itself. Um, Some didn't, of course, but that's a really small percentage. But the majority of people complied and the majority of people said, well, we don't know what's going on. So we're going to lock our doors and shut our windows, you know, and we're going to isolate. And when you have that isolation, you find it kind of concentrates on the other problems that are out there. You know, now you realize your relationships are not that great with the people you're now isolated with. That's a great point. You know, you realize you're not. So it amplifies and it exacerbates contentious relationships that are already there, you're saying the Chinese virus of all the fear and all these other dynamics actually accentuated and exacerbated those contentious relationships. It, it actually wow. made you um, be more aware of them yeah. because now you, they're in your face, right? Now all of the homeschooling, I don't know about you, most parents are not prepared to homeschool their children. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden they're there all day long. You're not being able to escape and go to work and be relieved and and shift the change in parenting if you need to or or drop them off at grandma's. No, nobody can do that. Grandma's through a screen now, a glass door that you can just wave at her through, yeah. you know. And so when you have that fear based on that loneliness or that isolation, we were all okay in accepting that because that was the choice that we were making. This is what we were told to actually do. You know, and so people were just looking for answers. Most of us just conformed. And so within that isolation, it really made everything really bigger and bolder. And if it was positive, then those are wonderful things. But, you know, we're here to talk about some of the negative um, aspects of this. If you already had a poor relationship with your spouse and you had some domestic stuff going on, 
now it just got bigger and, yeah. and, and much grander. You know, domestic yeah. violence is up like 25% that's just reported. And most domestic violence is not reported. Yeah. My guest is Bobby Anderson on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Eddie Aragon, for providing this opportunity to be with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. You ought to sponsor my show, folks. It's a, it's an incredible opportunity because we have really critical thinking, enlightened thinking, uh, great guests, and and what I call a provocative, provocative approach to talking about topics, including calling out hypocrisy. Email me, jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. My guest is Bobby Anderson. She's the owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health, a mental health and addictions treatment center. Again, you make you make an excellent point because when people were already having domestic issues, man and wife, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, or issues with their children, whatever that might be, now you have all this fear, you're isolated, you're together almost 24-7 now. But there's also the economic impact yes. with you know, depending on what industry you were in, my business was, you know, dismantled. I lost $70,000 during the, the Chinese virus. And then now you have, and again, I'm editorializing this idiot president, and he's added this other layer of economic stress to all of us. I can only imagine the contentiousness was already there from a behavioral perspective, you know, man and wife problems. Now you add economic issues. And as a clinician, you probably have when in your counseling sessions, people that are very distressed about economics too, right? A hundred percent. You know, most of us were already living check to check if you had a check in the household. Most ha households with two parents only really had one paycheck to begin with because paying for daycare um, was so much more than you having to have two incomes, right? Yeah. You're really just working to pay for daycare. Um, and so when we lost both incomes from the parents or just the primary income, it really shifted and changed. And I think um, the people in the higher positions making these choices, they saw that there was going to be a epidemic of, of fear that took over everybody. And that's why all the stimulus came. Right. But I don't know about you. Most of uh, people that I spoke to didn't even get their stimulus check. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even awarded to them or somehow fell through the cracks or somebody else may have got it. Yeah. There wasn't a really good system in place for, for that. And that wasn't a large amount of money if you're really thinking about it. Because now what we're really recognizing now, because remember, we're now thinking of this post-pandemic. But by the way, I'm not sure why people are calling it post-pandemic when it's still active. Oh, yeah. Right. Post means afterwards. Right? Absolutely. And so now it's still relevant. I think it's still in your face. Economically yes. and psychologically. This morning on the way to, to the show to see you, I saw several people in their cars with their little face diapers on in their cars. So, I mean, that's just hyper fear, hyperbolic fear that to your point, it hasn't gone away. It hasn't. And if you remember when we were first told, hey, you need to get in this isolation, right? You need to get in this bubble, whatever your bubble looks like, you need to get in it. Okay. And come out when I tell you, you can come out. Yeah. Right. And what happens is we were never given a lot of instruction on what to do. Just, we are going to guess, and this is what it is. Yeah. And then when it's better for us, we're going to now tell you to do something different. Right. Yeah. Um, but still that fear 
um, is there and relevant. But what has really happened is a conditioning yeah. of the human spirit. Great point. You know, and this is, goes back to, you know, uh, the oppression. B.F. Skinner, where the, we're talking about classic the, conditioning. You the know? oppression of the human spirit. What an excellent point. And to remind our listeners, B.F. Skinner was not the guy. He was more about environment really affects Social, you yeah. mm-hmm. much more than you're predisposed organically. Because I think there's two schools of thought. There's the organic yes. you're born to there be. The nature you know, versus the nurture right. side of the, the conversation. And to me, I've always felt it was a hybrid, yeah. but uh, not to go off on a tangent, but th- that's a great point. B.F. Skinner was the guy that said your environment is going to dictate your nature. That's right. What you know, what you know, right? Yeah. And so here we have this. I think the only thing that really was, in my personal opinion, that was kind of like solace was that it was happening globally. Yeah. It wasn't just isolated here to Albuquerque. It wasn't just isolated to New Mexicans. It just wasn't isolated to uh, the United States. You know, whether it came, where it came or how it got here or whatever, it affected us, um, which gave us some little piece of connectedness. Yeah. And that, I think was able to hold on to that hope and belief that we were going to get through this together. I I will say though, Bobby, and, and not to debate you, but what bothered me, especially as a libertarian conservative is Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, they didn't have as many restrictions as a state like we did. Right. So when a person would watch whatever news channel they watch, one state would be less restricted or more restricted than another. So there were certain differences, scales of differences of, of liberty and freedom, depending on what state you happen to live in. That is correct. And you know, when you go back to this as behavior and you look at this as the psychology of this, think about it in uh, children terms, like me and you were brothers and sisters and you get to stay out till 10 o'clock yeah. and I get to stay out only till six. Why is that? We're both, you know, what's the difference? What has changed that? And so what it made people really believe is that they were being mistreated. Yeah. Somebody in X, Y, and Z. I, state I call it getting, punishment, actually. Yeah. A lot of people viewed that um, difference, right? within that as being punished. Absolutely. Yeah. As a as a New Mexican multi-generational Hispanic Condelaria who's lived all my life here, I felt like the governor was punishing me personally mm-hmm. and our citizens. Sure. And think more about so that. than DeSantis in Florida, where you had much more liberty than a state like ours. So but, I did. I felt I did. I when felt people, punished. When the people and that's so natural to feel that way. So you have the right to feel that. Because when we feel that we're being punished, what do we often do? We want to defend. We want to rebel. Right. We're gonna we're gonna buck the system, so to speak. Which I did. I didn't wear a mask. I never wore a mask. I didn't get vaccinated. So that was my way of rebelling. Right. And that's kind of like, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, I have the choice to do this." And for those of you that felt that punishment, you had some natural uh, understanding and reaction to that, which was very appropriate. What I think was not educated and what was not explained and we didn't talk about it you know remember it was like it was almost like that don't ask don't tell rule like don't talk about it we're we're all experiencing it but we can't talk about it right you can't seek actual help for it you can't go to talk to somebody because you're going to be afraid of 
sharing exactly how you really truly feel because yeah. somebody's going to shut you down. Somebody's going to take a video of you and post it on YouTube that is going to humiliate you. Or, or you know, when we talk, if you ever watch those Karen videos, you know, where, hey, here's a Karen and they're just going off randomly about something stupid. Yeah. Um, but that also came about around this fear. So everybody, in my opinion, up to these politicians and these people making these decisions are making decisions with only the information that they have. And they didn't have any information that was really relevant to making the best choice for all of New Mexicans. Yeah, I think in hindsight thus far, I think the, the bureaucrats and the people that put these lockdown policies in place they're not going to admit it, but there is no evidence that the lockdowns actually did what they were supposed to be intended to accomplish. Right. The The business side of things, a lot of the business owners that I am in contact with, and I, I circle in a few realms as a business owner, it has been the consensus that all that did was close companies. Yeah. All it did was bankrupt families. Um can you argue that being the right choice? You really have no evidence of will it would have been better, would it have not been better. But this is what humans do. They they give this analy analysis of everything that um, makes it more confusing, right? Yeah. Because you don't really have the answers to the problems that you are actually trying and that's, to solve. And that's why we're so dichotomized in our country, because Biden is such an incompetent, really just bad person that people that voted for him don't want to admit they were wrong. And that's really what, what the, it always comes down to. It's like Fauci's not going to admit that he was wrong in some of his epidemiological decision-making because he's got too big an ego. And even us at the more granular level, if we voted for Biden or something, we're not going to admit that we were wrong. Right. And, 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 and it, it really, it just comes, you know, it just comes down to that. But when you're somebody that has so much power and you make a decision about a lockdown and it didn't work, you're still not going to admit even 10 years later, that strategy probably wasn't very effective. And it destroyed how many thousands of businesses in New Mexico and across the country and millions of, it's also affected our work ethic and how we view work, right? Absolutely. You know, what we found a lot of is that during this isolation that um, brought us to our knees, we really are looking at how we adjusted very quickly. I mean, for most uh, Americans and all over the world, we made it happen because we were told you better make it happen. You know, you have nothing, you better make nothing out of nothing. And I grew up, it wasn't too much of a stretch to go on a budget for me and my family because my background was kind of rough like that. You know, mm -hmm. we did without um, in the lower economic living on welfare and and uh, being under the poverty level, so to speak. So for for my family, it, we knew how to manage. But some of these families, especially some of the, you know, 20 something generation, they were never really shown poverty or how to or stretch sacrifice. that dollar or sacrifice that the parents really have always made yeah and so what we have found is that yes people made accommodations but we're finding that people are now being honest about how they lived they really are living on credit and we're finding most of our clients are now heavily in debt their credit cards are maxed out they can't make it you know they're robbing 
one to pay the other. Um, and we're going to see a major financial oh, yeah. upheaval with the, bankruptcies. Yeah. And um, yeah. the we're e already kind of seeing the, a little the bit of economic upheaval is in the next two to three or four years. It's going to be devastating. It's really going to be. It, it really is. And people are really not recognizing that most of all of these decisions are really generating out of fear. And what really pisses me off is the Bidens of the world and the Fauci's of the world and the Pelosi's of the world or whatever. They're not going to be accountable because they're so far removed from what we're dealing with, right? They're, they got a paycheck every no matter what. week, yeah. notwithstanding. And all those people are so insulated from the very policies they put forth. My guest is Bobby Anderson. Uh, she's the owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health. Today, what we're talking uh, about on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria is the psychology of the Chinese virus and behavioral and addictive health issues. We're going to get into addiction here in a minute, but I want to sort of set a context, you know, before we get into some of these more specific details. She's the owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health, a mental health and addictions treatment center, clinical therapist, uh, master's degree in clinical counseling, uh, trains and educates professionals, and uh, really a good friend and somebody I really appreciate as a guest. One of the things that also bothered me so much is a couple of things. But before I mention those, what really probably astonished, and I'm using the word astonish, which is a powerful word, is how Americans, 330 million of us, not including the illegal aliens because we have an open border, did exactly what government told us to do. There was very little pushback. I was amazed at a country that says we celebrate an open republic, a democracy, liberty, that we gave up our liberties. People didn't even go to church. People stayed home. People that didn't go see their grandma die on a deathbed because they weren't allowed to. None of my business was shut down. Thousands of businesses were shut down. And there was not a rebellion or like, and I don't, I'm not talking about insurrection. So sure. let me be very clear. I'm not mm -hmm. advocating. And I'm just saying there wasn't manifestations of pushback from populations and the reason, in a country like that. What do you attribute that to as a yes, mental health person? You're, you're making up such a good point there because what that's fear at its best. The reason was, is let's scare you into submission. Okay. Right. And fear drives good, bad, and the ugly. Got it. And so when we go back to these decisions and even these people making the decisions, remember, fear drove them. They, they I would have appreciated this is just me, my personal opinion. I would have appreciated somebody just at one time saying, we don't know. Yes. But we're going. This is all we got, guys. Exactly. So, so you know, we're going to be in this together, but we don't know. Yeah. So we're going to pick the lesser of two decisions. Yeah. That's going to be the best. And I think. I'm almost wanting, and I haven't got any proof of this, but when we're harsh on whatever the governor or our state or whoever made these decisions, because I'm sure she had an advisory council as well. This wasn't just her just sitting home waiting to make these decisions. I think she was being advised as well. And and so I want to give a little bit of grace and, and extend some courtesy to some of the people making these decisions that I would have loved somebody just to say, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. I, I don't have a manual on Absolutely. on the pandemic. I don't have a manual on a disease crushing globally, right? And I and and I never heard that any leaders got together 
to talk about it. Yeah. Like all the governors uh, all on a Zoom or something. Yeah. Who is talking to whom? What are you doing that's working? Where are your numbers? Yeah. And of course, we went by all of those numbers that were listed. You know, remember those maps, red, green, and I don't know, gold yeah. and all yeah. that. What happens is that's only if the reporting is correct. Yeah. Whether or not that straight was talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. My guest is Bobby Anderson. She is the owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health, a mental health and addictions treatment center. We're talking about the psychological, behavioral addictive effects of the Chinese virus. Again, that's why the vaccine to me was untenable and still is because it's an experimental drug. We don't know the long-term ramifications of, of the vaccination with now four boosters. Pfizer just announced that they wanted a fourth booster for all kids. Moderna just said they want a fourth right. booster for all people. Right. Do you know those, those damn pharmaceutical companies made, I, I forgot how many, 38 billion dollar profit in one year because of this thing come on right. it's obvious when there's, does it start there's when does it stop there's right? avariciousness to this nonsense about boosters really having any real appreciable you know real profound uh sustainable positive health effects but i think what you're seeing now is the point that you're making people are starting to say wait a minute yeah is this right for me? Yeah, is six this right boosters, for my family? Wearing, wearing a mask, you know, They're my starting to have a kid. voice. So yeah. you're starting to see that. There's, oh, 100%. We're starting okay. to see that. Um, and that's why you're getting a little bit of pushback on these mandated things. Like, you know, we're going to give you this. This is how it's going to be. You're going to do this for your kids to go back to school. You're going to do this if you go back to work. You're going to do this. Yeah. And what you're seeing is people are rebelling quietly. That's why you can't find, as a business owner, staff. Why yeah. is that? People aren't wanting to work. You think it's a character flaw? I'm wondering if it's more of that rebellion that we're seeing. It's just not actively voiced. Interesting point, because you are a business owner, as am I. But if people are rebelling by saying they don't want to go to work, how are they deriving income? Well, they're living off the state. Or ah. somebody in the home has a position. They're learning. They Remember, you have to remember they lived off of nothing. So they have nothing to lose. Yeah. Right? Most people are already in financial. So you know, why mess up their credit? Their almost, credit is already messed almost up. Almost a sense of economic desperation. hundred percent. Again, my guest yeah. is Bobby Anderson, the owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health. But remember, during COVID or Chinese virus, Governor Michelle, DeSantis, Fauci, Trump, uh, whatever, Biden the idiot, none of those people particularly the unaccountable people that are bureaucrats that made decisions that we didn't elect have never, and I don't even like to use the word never because it's an absolute, absolute, they never had that much power. Did Governor Michelle Grisham have as much power as she did during the Chinese virus? No. So when you give somebody that much unadulterated, unfettered power that you don't have to be accountable to because under the Emergency Powers Act, she could right. do anything. Well, at her, her behest, her lawsuit how do you just, give how do you give up that much power? Well, she right? just won her lawsuit uh, that the seven six other counties sued her for. Yeah. She just won it. Yeah, of course. And uh, because you know they, but again, like you're saying, precedence, precedence. When the first time something happens, that is the precedence, and yeah. so of course they're going to kind of escape. Um, I guess any recourse right because it's the precedence yeah right but then 
how do you explain the crisis? How do you, exp- we're still in the crisis. I, yeah. I think what we're describing now is a different type of crisis on the individual level. I see that daily in my clients yeah. and the people that are just trying to live day by So day. let's talk about that again. Bobby Anderson, uh, my guest on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelario, sponsor my show, email me, jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. What kinds of behavioral and addictive manifestations did you see prior to March 2020 during the Chinese virus? And now that we're kind of moving a little bit beyond, quote unquote. So what did you see increases in certain addictive behaviors, behavioral health? Talk a little bit about some. And obviously you can't get into specific cases. Sure. But sort of some of the trends you saw. Sure. Well, we always really saw a large amount of uh, substance abuse, um, alcohol or drug related addictions. That's always real relevant. Specifically here in New Mexico, we have a large number of um, addiction agencies, um, but really an epidemic. We've called it an epidemic, a fentanyl epidemic, opioid um, epidemic. We've all we've been we were talking about that prior to this pandemic. Right. But what we really saw was an increase severely in a lot of other disorders, um, specifically the anxiety. People that normally could handle a regulatory amount of anxiety are now crossed over to a higher severity index that now can be diagnosed with a mental health. It's not episodic. It's actually you know, acute. It's happening every minute now. So episodic just for our listeners is something happens in isolation occasionally, right? Occasionally. Yeah. You Where it moves to that. a different, it escalates. Now it it's, now it's almost it's, it's all the it's time. Acute. It yeah. is wow. all the time, a hundred percent. And so think about this. When we became isolated and we had, we were told, we don't really know what this is, but don't touch nobody. Don't breathe on nobody. Um, wipe all your cans of food, you know, down, wipe your mail down. Don't, t- you know, don't wear a kiss mask. your dog, wear a mask. To remind yourself how, how afraid right. so you must be. We actually taught, you actually, condi- you know, we go back to this conditioning. Don't go to work. Don't go to work. Right. Don't, don't do the things. Don't eat at the, off the same plate. You know, we saw some real crazy things that were actually happening, whether they came from the higher ups or not, but it came from society in general, you yeah. know. Um, and so what we really saw was an increase of development for new disorders, such as obsessive compulsion, right? And, you know, PTSD. So des- describe obsessive, I think I know, but just for, you know, our, our listeners, yeah, so, obsessive compulsive behavior. Yeah, so obsessive OCD is, is what everybody calls it, but it's really obsessive compulsion disorder where people obsessively have a fear-driven behavior that if they don't do something, that they something bad will happen, such as, you know, I got to check the locks on the door to make sure because I'm afraid somebody's going to break in, so I'm going to check the doors, to, you know, a hundred times, or I'm going to flip the light switch on and off. Sometimes they're little ticks. People call them ticks, um, but it's symptoms to a much more level of anxiety and fear-based behavior, um, which can all be treated 100%. But isolation and um, fear of judgment drive that, right? So you tend to not want to be around anybody else or seek help around that because it actually calms you to do those behaviors that you do. And most, we're seeing such an increase in that 
behavior, but really more so this acute stress disorder, which is right before you're really diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of um, people just relate PTSD to veterans and people that have had combat or people that have had a negative traumatic life um, being attacked or robbed at gunpoint or hurt in some way. It is not. It is literally for every human being that has had any trauma-related experience, and that's all it is. And everybody's going to relate a little bit different. You know, we both can be carjacked, and you might handle it a certain way, and I may handle it a different way. Yeah. And it's how we have um, perseverance and and how we're able not to be oblivious to our decision-making processes. So it's pretty deep. We're yeah. seeing such an increase. Yeah, my mother died when I was 10. I was with her in a car. She was 30. So I saw her, her dead, mangled body. And instead of being a victim of it, I decided, I, I don't know what this horrific thing is. I mean, I knew what it was intellectually, sure. but I, 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 I'm I, just such a provocative, rebellious person <laughs> that I just like, I'm not going to be defined by this. Right, right. So and, it's interesting how people have trauma and they, whoever they is, They'll go one direction or another. That's right. And you see that all the time. That's right. And just because you chose the path that kept you more insecurity, kept you more protected with the confident that, hey, I don't really know what this is, but I'm going to not let it define me. But what it did is it still defined you. It did. Yep. It just defined you in a different way. Good point. And, and so when you're really looking at how things uh, define us or how, how who or how we're identifying what happens is you, it, it's just a, a split hair between one going to the right or going to the left. Yeah. And it's all about managing it. And that's what I do. I help teach my clients that it's okay that you have had this experience. This is your life. This is okay how you feel because you're going to feel this way. That's I have to validate your feelings. Now, you're choosing to stay maybe in that victim stance or that victim mentality that is what's causing you X, Y, and Z negative yeah. connotations. Like, does that make sense? Or, or consequences, like, such as the legal system. I work with a lot of offenders with the state, and they have all the reason to not get clean and sober, or they have all the reasons not to live a honest, productive life. They would rather do some criminal activity kind of thing um, because that's what they know. Yeah. And they feel more safer incarcerated yeah. than they do having the freedom to make these decisions that cause chaos. My guest is Bobby Anderson, owner of Albuquerque Behavioral Health and Mental Health and Addiction Treatment Center. Jeffrey Candelaria, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. I'm, I'm, I'm reading this really interesting book about American constitutional governance, a republic versus a democracy, how the Senate versus Congress Congress is much more democratic than Senate. Senate is really more federal. Congress is much more democratic. But what's interesting is our country, only on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candler, has celebrated for 250 years the, the, the power of the individual, the individual liberty, right? But really, our country doesn't promulgate, embrace, or put forth or espouse individual liberty as much as we think we do. We're really more about groupthink, community, civic mindedness. Are you voting like a Democrat? Are you voting like a Republican? Mm -hmm. 
So this country, even though we always talk about the power of the individual, we really support community, almost mob mentality. Yeah. To your yes. point, yes. it is very difficult to be an individual, sovereign, autonomous thinking person in a country like this because you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be attacked, and it's difficult. Yeah, you don't think so like the, me. So, so the right. right. So as a clinician, you see this whole think like the group. It's easier than oh, to be the individual. Yes, 100%. You're making such a great PowerPoint there because we follow sheepish behaviors. Yeah. Most of us don't have the confidence or courage or self-worth to be a leader. What we do. A leader of ourselves. A leader. I'm not even talking about yes, leading a of your family. Of, I'm just yes, talking about just leading yourself. And so what we're trying to instill in our clients now is just using the example of going back to work, right? Because, you know, that seems to be the biggest talk right now uh, on the streets is, yeah. you know, how, how are people going to find jobs? They're all over the place. It's, it's getting them wanting to find their jobs. So what we try to instill is to say, look, this is a, this is a move that's going to get your independence back versus your independence being shattered by isolation and fear. And um, most people will react to that. And most people, when you have no food, you will, you know, think of the hunters and gatherers, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to make it happen. Right. Unfortunately, when somebody has no resources to understand how to gather correctly, that's where those, hello, we can talk about crime. That's increased. Why has that increased? Well, we have a lot of less law enforcement on the street. We have a lot less happening in the jails. Right. We found a lot of um, yeah. a lot of situations there, but that's a whole nother. Uh, well, you have topic, desperation. You, crime is always is a great crime is, to use. Crime is generally for me a, a function of desperation and lack of alternative. I have no choice and nothing to lose. Right. For a percentage of people. Right. That's but, why I yes, said for, yes. for what I call the preponderant yes. percentage of people, because I grew up in a lower, lower, little middle class, you know, lower class, middle class. South Broadway, no offense, but it's, it was almost ghetto-ish at times, depending on when I grew up there, you know, what period of time. Well, think about what was just happening recently with uh, the district attorney talking about um, how we're going to be less strict on shoplifters that do this right. versus shoplifters for this reason. Right. As a business owner, I was enraged. Yes. Because I don't care why somebody is trying to steal from yes. my business, right. that does not matter to me because, and, and, and as a taxpayer, I'm going to be giving you a break because this is the reason. Well, why don't we all just make that the reason? Absolutely. Why would it, why would it be any other reason? The reasoning, and this is the difference between the law of morality and, and socialism, where we're really talking about well, how does it affect everyone? And like you're saying, it, it, it does affect everyone, but we're talking about yeah. it in isolating circumstances. Straight talk with Jeffrey Candelary, Bobby Anderson's my guest. So there's some crazy entropy-oriented law that you can steal whoever you is up to $1,000 in merchandise at Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever, right? And it's not really, gonna, it's not really criminalized. Correct. So if we allow folks to just walk in stores and steal whatever they want, which is happening all over the country because of these damn liberal policies. The other thing that happens is we, the people who work now have to pay more for a microwave 
or a wrench or how about just or food because the company has to raise prices to make up for that inventory further from a sociological psychological perspective we're almost engendering we're almost enabling crime right because you're really looking at now we're paying for that security guard at the door who just got stabbed right because some people were stealing some beer really like that is enraging everyone but the problem is is that people will talk about it but i don't think they're really talking to the right people they're not really having the courage to stand up and we're focusing on the wrong things i i hear a lot of the level of clients that are in my office really talking about i'm just really trying to survive today and i would love to think that the people deciding my future would want the best outcomes for me yeah you know because they're really at a lower level of struggle that like you're saying somebody else that's 100 people well, removed cannot understand. but it's really our fault our collective fault in this country because we've allowed this to happen because the average person is not interested in policy making right. who they're electing how it affects them I've always voted Democrat. I've always voted Republican, whatever the hell it is. And that tells you a lot so about what they're they, thinking. Is, they select right? a side and with that side, they're not willing to dissect what the people they're electing in their municipality, their state, whatever it might be, how those policies are impacting those persons. Correct. They're intellectually lazy. So it really is our fault. We've done this to ourselves. We created this. Mess. 83 million people voted this idiot president. So those are my fellow people. Those are my neighbors. Those are my colleagues. Those it might be you. I don't know. But we did it to ourselves. And right. part of it is because we're so intellectually lazy to not study the importance of it matters who you elect in office. It's, it matters that we keep people accountable but we're we're just not interested. We're too interested in who is Madonna dating? Where's my pizza? I mean, I'm into all that too, but concomitantly, I really study policy making, who's in office, those kinds of things. Like even even our legislature, okay? We're the only state, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelario, that has what's called a citizen legislature. There our legislature's not paid. They get a per diem. But what that means is, I don't mean to digress, but it's important. Every other state has a full-time paid legislator. So what does that mean? It means this. Who can serve on the New Mexico uh, Santa Fe legislature? Only the rich and maybe only people who are retired because you're not paid. Correct. So the plumber in Eunice, New Mexico, and all those populations, we're not really represented there. It's generally when you have a citizen legislature, only wealthy and and retired people who can generally have the time to give up 60 days of their lives, you know, and then it also does something else. It, it concentrates in a very dense way, very complicated issues. Oh, we only have three more days to pass this policy. Right. So sometimes we we, didn't tell you that. So yeah, we, for a reason. So we bundle (laughs) policies together and then we have to live with this stuff in this state. Well, think about it. If you go back to the source of the question where we're asking why people aren't engaged the way that they need to be, um, because they want to really trust 
that the decision they made is the right one. Like you're saying, they don't want to necessarily have the honesty and the transparency of saying, I made a mistake. We're not taught to accept failure. Yeah. Or we're not taught to admit that we're wrong. That's right. And that's what the problem with our two-party system is. To me, it comes down to that. I don't want to admit I was wrong in voting for Trump or voting for Biden or voting for Obama, whatever it might be. It makes sense that you, as a human being, have to fall into two categories. Right? You can't. If we're talking about multicultural diversity and we're talking about acceptance and we're talking about acknowledging, there used to be this concept, and I don't know if you ever heard about this, um, in psychology maybe most, but it was talking about a melting bowl concept. Right. This was, you know, back in the, the 50s and 60s when psychology really took off with some of the leading uh, uh, professionals. Right. Where we're talking about this melting bowl of everybody, the melting pot. Right. This melting pot of everybody coming together and assimilating into one specific something in the pot, whatever that something is. Right. But now they really found in a lot of the research that we don't want to be considered a melting pot because when you melt, you lose who you really are as that individualist. So now they talk about it being more like, this is ironic, but a salad bowl, right? When you have a salad, imagine this big, beautiful salad, like a chef salad, and you've got ham and turkey and cheese and egg and croutons and all, you know, the, the different types of lettuces. And that's what it's talking about, assimilating culturally, this diverse, you know, if you are an uh, olive, you're staying an olive in that salad. You're not becoming an olive. So you're sustaining your the identity yes, without yes. compromising it, yet making something bigger than itself. Absolutely. Is it is it gestalt? Because I I like gestalt, gestalt theory. I knew you were going to like gestalt. him. Gestalt. He's he's he loves that um, you know kick kick stroke kind of method, and and I'm a little gestalt as well. Where because I work with addiction, you know, there's a time for coddling uh, therapeutically. Um, that's going to be a- appropriate for the client. But Gestalt really gave the permission to say, look, I'm going to be honest with you about what I see and where I think you need to go based on what you've told me you want to solve. So remember when when clients come to me, I already have an idea because I see them on paper what where I might want to take them. But that doesn't that's not my agenda. My agenda is no agenda. I know that sounds kind of psychologically opposite, but it actually is. I need to follow that client where he's allowing me to take him. Now, he might say one thing, but I really know he needs to go over here. So therapeutically, this is why I'm not a camp counselor. I'm a clinical counselor. There's a reason why I'm guiding their behavior with a carrot or whatever is motivating them internally or externally to that arena. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, 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 I mean, it's, it's a little esoteric, frankly, but <laughs> that's why you're a clinician and I'm not. We have about uh, seven or eight minutes. I want to touch on a couple of other things. Again, Bobby Anderson's my guest. Straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thank you again for giving Thank me your you. time, giving us your time. The face mask, the, what I call the face diaper, the oppression mask, particularly with kids, have, I, I, I still see occasionally now, Little kids, three and four or five years old, they're helicopter mothers making these little kids wear these masks. 
what a disservice to kids not understanding the importance of paralanguage, facial communication, nonverbal communication. Have you seen instances where kids, because of the mask, it's almost a barrier to their ability to begin to understand the importance of socialization skills? Yes, 100%. You know, we kind of have two sides of that kind of discussion. One is that I have the parent coming in and saying, I'm overwhelmed. I feel guilty because I'm a bad mother or father and I'm not taking care of my, I'm not protecting my child. Um, so then they go to the extreme of saying, hey, I'm going to put the mask on. I'm going to, you're, you're going to have a, you know, they used to have a side uh, hook on their pants that was for a water bottle. Now it's hand sanitizer, you know? Yeah. Um, and like you're saying, it's a little over obsessive, but that's driven all out of fear. Now, what the child knows is what you tell them and you have to be able to explain to them at their level you know a five-year-old is not going to understand what a 15-year-old is they're not going to be able to sit down and listen to the media and understand exactly what's being reported you have to explain it to your child a certain way now what happens is when everybody was doing the same thing how wonderful that was the children did not feel different they were all able to be identical in that sense, which yeah, the, gave them the whole mom confidence. mentality that we yes. talked about. This whole part yes. where I'm part of the herd. You know, Susie has to do it next to me, and little Joey over here, and then the teachers over here. They wasn't being isolated and pointed out and singled out, which so is now really that, causing. Now that. that this oppression mask nonsense is over, some kids are still wearing them. Yes, and so and what does that aren't. do? So what does that do socially? Yeah. Right. But I'm going to tell you the fear that parents are having right now, they are not looking at the social ramifications of that decision. And what they're finding is that the child will feel more comfortable, isolated. And then now these families that are very isolated together, they do one of two things. They get distant from each other because they're at, they're chaotic all the time or they come codependent on a, on each other and the child will not be left without that individual or the parent won't be can't let that child out of their sight wow. remember this is all driven by fear based feelings and emotions and not necessarily by facts but then when you go to get the facts logically as a person you where do you get those because i'm not really sure on one station on the news it's reporting this on the nether station, just a couple clicks away, is reporting this. Right. So as a consumer or as a parent myself, I'm wondering what's going on, you know. And there is a lot of fear-based decisions being made um, at all levels. And I think keep safe, you know, that what you think is best. But think if you go too far in the extreme one way or the other, not stream enough, but too extreme. I think you're going to have a lot of consequences. Yeah, I'm not convinced that there is this thing called truth. You know, the philosophers, uh, whether it was Plato, Socrates, uh, Immanuel Kant, uh, you name name someone, uh, uh, mm -hmm. we're always searching for something called truth. I don't think there is anything called definitive truth. I think each of us have our own interpretation of what we convince ourselves is truth. And because we have big egos, 
like Freud said, our id won't allow us to admit the way I've always seen the world is wrong. Right. And that's the issue with the human condition. Well, that's because, I went to Catholic yeah. school for 12 years, and I finally recognized that I believe parts of Catholicism are a cult. Now, it was difficult to do that. I still believe in something bigger than myself called God. Sure. But it is a cult, in my opinion. Now, there are people I know in my family that think that's blasphemy and will literally, and I don't even like to use never, never admit that parts of Catholicism as an example, and I'm just using that as an example, sure. mm -hmm. Protestantism, you've got different versions of religion, whatever that might be, Judaism. I think all forms of religions have cultish elements to them. Sure. And when people devote their lives to that religion, whatever it is, being a Jew, whatever, Folks are not going to admit at 74 years of age, gee, my whole life I was wrong. Right, because look what that does to them. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that saying that I'm going to believe the truth that I have made. Yes, that I've, and my per that that I've, I've constructed. That's right. right. And my perception is my truth. And I don't know, I can tell you every client that I sit in front of, I have to acknowledge what their truth really is. Because if I don't understand what how they're perceiving their truth to be, how then can I actually make them aware, which is self-awareness? You know, I can't give them anything that they can't get on their own, but it's my way to facilitate that understanding. Once they receive that, I have to be very conscious that their ego, which is kind of what you're talking about with the id and the ego, can be strong enough to handle the ramifications of that awareness. Most people love to keep their head in the sand because they cannot handle the truth. Yeah. They cannot logically comprehend the truth because it means X, Y, and Z tra yeah. traumatically. And, and, and when we use that cliche, not handle the truth, all I'm saying is it means maybe I was wrong all these years. Yeah, and that's okay. And people don't want to do it. That's a very yes. disturbing, difficult thing to admit. Yes, and they don't I have that emotionality. Wrong. Yeah, they don't. I have voted that. for Biden. I was wrong. That's I've been right. a Democrat all my life, or whatever the hell. Maybe I was wrong. People aren't going to do it because they want somebody else to blame. You know, when we don't look at that accountability, and that's yeah. what we really have to look. It's at. like people don't want to look at themselves naked in the mirror because it's <laughs> hard. Put the to lights do. off. Well, yeah. no, I'm serious. It very is a true. very difficult thing to do because that is who you are, physiologically. Absolutely. Looks like we got about three minutes. Uh, my guest, Bobby Anderson, Jeffrey Candler, straight talk with Jeffrey Candler. You know, Bobby, it's always a pleasure to have you as a guest because, I mean, we didn't talk about anything. <laughs> a Fig Newton, talk 18 hours about a Fig Newton. It could be anything. <laughs> could be but anything. did we not cover something you want to touch on? Got about two minutes left, your contact information. Is there something we didn't talk about? Got about two and a half minutes. Well, thank you. I think we did cover a vast uh, array of topics, but really just about acknowledging that people can get help. And, you know, they can always call my agency, Albuquerque Behavioral Health, 8200 Mountain Road, 505-830-6500. Um, um, We're always here to help. Support is there if you need it. And I'd love to have you back on. We didn't even talk about suicide. I mean, it's a very yes, it's, yes, a very, very sober well. and difficult topic. Other economic stresses, other disorders that have really materialized. Uh, once again, it, it's always great to see you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You, you've taken you know this time to be on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. 
Uh, can I ask you to be on the show again at some point? A hundred percent. I will always, uh, we always talk on the outside the airwaves. So I am definitely um, intrigued on sharing the information that I have. For Very sure. good. Thank you. My like, pleasure. I'd like to thank again my sponsor, uh, S3 Communication. If you have any cybersecurity issue, get a hold of Ben. Let me see his phone number, 505-242-5683. If you'd like to sponsor my show, get a hold of me jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. Bobby Anderson, thank you for being a guest on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelary. Yeah.